Hello, I'm Matthew Bay, a senior analyst at Stratfor, a Rain company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, Rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence analysis. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. Across the media and the world, people are reflecting on what the last year has meant, how they spent the last 360-plus days since the COVID-19 pandemic sank its claws into every part of the global economy, social services, business, education, and lives. Most major economies tanked during the early months of the pandemic. By the end of 2020, only one had managed to actually grow. China. Why? Here to explain is Michael Monderer, Stratfor Senior Analyst for Global Economics at Rain. Hey, Michael. Hi, Emily. How would you characterize its recovery from COVID-19 and simultaneously the outlook for the Chinese economy? Well, that's an interesting, an interesting question, Emily. Um, there's actually a lot of uncertainty regarding the Chinese economy. And we at Stratfor think that the economic recovery may not be nearly as solid as the headline numbers suggest. Uh, just to review, China did have a very sharp decline in the first quarter of 2020, uh, but for the year it grew by 2.3% overall. However, that was the slowest growth since 1976, which just happens to be the year that Mao Zedong died and was the last year in which the country recorded any negative growth. Uh, Growth in 2020, however, was achieved by using high amounts of debt, what was probably a large amount of wasteful investment, and there was lagging consumption as elsewhere in the world. Uh, On the positive side, the Communist Party of China did accomplish positive growth and in return for political stability, so they delivered on their part of the social contract. But more recently, we see that some indicators may show some slowing in the Chinese economy. Um, It's too soon for us to know how long-lasting that that will be, or if it's symptomatic of a longer slowdown. Um, So we're still waiting to judge the durability and strength of the economy. Michael, you mentioned a couple of things in there that I wanted to pull out if I could. Um, What were the bad investments? Well, I mean, we can't say for sure they were bad investments, but the way that, that China has, has goosed its growth in the past has been through through large infrastructure investments um, financed by the government. And, and that essentially is what they did this year. Um, we, we don't have a, a good figure for Chinese investment, but according to McKinsey and Company, the consultant, the consultant group, um, 93% of Chinese growth was accounted for by government investment. Hmm. And, and you have to assume that not all of that is going to be is, is going to be productive. You know, bridges to nowhere count the same in GDP as do roads to somewhere. So what are the issues with Chinese economic data? Well, there's the perennial question of whether China's economic data actually measure the same thing as does the rest of the world. Um, there are basically three ways to measure economic growth. Um, And in theory, they're all compatible and they all give the same result. In the case of China, China uses a value added or production approach 
in which it sums up production at each level of the economy. Um, as I said, theoretically, that's equivalent to what the rest of the world reports, which is an expenditure approach, basically, in which you break out consumption, investment, government spending, and net exports separately. And it's possible to show which one of those is driving growth. But that's not directly co comparable with the way China does it. And the way China does it, frankly, is more suitable to a socialist planned economy. Now, China does report other data separately, but uh, they're actually poor proxies for an expenditure approach to GDP reporting. For example, retail sales um, are a poor proxy for consumption because they don't include spending on services, and they may also include government procurement. Um, at the same time, China reports gross capital formation, but that, as I said, may, de may be distorted. And in fact, China can achieve just about any growth rate it wants by basically increasing the amount of investment. And, and finally, government expenditure and revenues are very, very opaque in the Chinese system. There is no consolidated government budget and no easy way to assess the fiscal deficit or, or the uh, debt of the public sector. In fact, Bloomberg News recently reported that Chinese Chinese budget numbers may may underestimate spending government spending by 60%. So, while it's possible to assess the general direction and health of the economy um in a very broad sense, um the underlying economy may not be as healthy as the headline numbers suggest. So, Along those lines, China set a growth target for 2021 of above 6%. Can you explain what that would mean and what the prospects are, whether it's achievable? Sure. Um, most forecasts for China this year are very, very optimistic. The, the consensus forecasts are all in the range of 8 to 9% real growth. So it's a bit puzzling why China set, set such a low bar for itself. Um, some of the chatter in the China Watcher community has been that by setting a modest or a flexible target, it does create space for China to return policy towards meaningful economic reforms and, in fact, deleveraging the economy. Now, we're, we at Stratfor are not saying 6% is unachievable, but what we are saying is, is it an advisable target? Um, the high level of fiscal stimulus that's continuing this year suggests or it doesn't really fit with the story of an economy that is roaring ahead after COVID-19. Uh, the central government announced that it was only going to cut its deficit by, by one half of 1%, but that compares to a, a consolidated fiscal deficit for last year, according to the International Monetary Fund, of about 18% of GDP. And, and government debt is now at 335% of GDP, which is high by any standards. So the question is, while the Chinese talk about high quality growth, are they just giving lip service to the term? Um, we really have yet to see what they mean or how they intend to achieve that. Michael Wanderer is Stratfor Senior Analyst for Global Economics at Rain. Michael, thank you so much. You're welcome, Emily. Thank you. If you want regular intelligence updates on global geopolitics, including economies, 
Sign up for the Strat4 Worldview newsletter from Rain. It's full of geopolitical updates from our team of expert analysts. Sign up at worldview.strat4.com. That's worldview.strat4.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.